Hello and welcome to the Stairway to Healing podcast. Today we have a special guest, Nicole Siniscali, who is extremely well studied in the world of metaphysics. She obtained a doctorate from the University of Metaphysics. She's also a certified in Kundalini yoga, meditation, spiritual counseling, crystal healing, and much, much more. So in this episode, we're going to discuss her personal journey of healing, transformation, and empowerment as she shares with us the road to becoming a spiritual healer and coach herself. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Stairway to Healing podcast. We have a really special guest on today and we're going to let her introduce herself. Thank you. I am Dr. Nicole Siniscali. Um, I run an on-the-go wellness center, Eternal Earth Sanctuary. Um, but I have like a super long history of all of the projects that I've started and then have failed. But that's like what an entrepreneur is all about is being able to just like keep achieving your dreams no matter what the end result looks like. Even if you fail a thousand times and you want that dream, you still kind of got to go for it. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And so I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you, ladies, for having me. I love this space um, and I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, we're grateful to have you on, and I feel that with the entrepreneur thing. Yeah. It's always, like, trial and error and just, like, yeah. Yeah, I saw your ad for the psychic fairs this year, so I've been doing that with you guys, and... When I saw the ad, I was like, ooh, I think I really like this place. And I got here, and I was like, oh, I found my home. Look at all this, these people. And it was, like, really great because it's, like, you can go to different psychic fairs, and it's kind of almost, like, entertainment-wise. But when you come here, there's really, like, that, like, family connection. And I really like that coming back to Jersey after all these years because I was traveling. Like, I traveled the country and traveled outside of the country and by the time I was 25, I lived in, like, 15 states. Wow. So I, like, really am, like, part gypsy, right? Without, yeah. like, all the bad connotations to that. Like a healing gypsy. Very healing gypsy, right? And so when I came back to Jersey, it was, like, right as my mom died. And that was Labor Day weekend 2021. So I came back to take care of my grandma. And then my grandma passed six months later because she had COPD and it got covid so, like, right, like, two weeks after my 30th birthday, she I think she just, like, kicked it until, like, I turned 30 because it was, like, mm. a monumental birthday for me. And then I was, like, well, what am I going to do? Do I travel or do I keep the home? And I'm so glad that I kept the home because I met my partner. I've been able to, like, really, like, stabilize, like, my practice here. And a lot of my network is already here. So it's been nice to kind of like put out more roots and feel a little bit more stable than like airy and free as I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. Because I can still do that. You can still travel while having those roots. Yeah, you kind of have the best of both worlds, like your sanctuary. Yeah. So so cool. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been a practice for sure. Just like myself in general, like changing who I am after my mom and my grandma die so close together yeah and now it's like I'm this matriarchal person in my household out of nowhere yeah and I I was not prepared for that like I knew that my mom had issues and that she had like things going on but you can't ever emotionally prepare for that you can like mentally prepare and be like okay I know this is gonna happen like I am aware of what will happen next Mm -hmm. but grief like is just such a thing like that just like pops you out of nowhere and it changes you and you become a totally different person. At least for me, that's really what happened. I think that's the case for everyone. Like I talk to a lot of people that are dealing with grief and they're like, I, I'm not the same person as I was before. Yeah. And I think that's, that can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on like how you deal with grief. You know, you can choose to let it propel you 
in your life or you can choose to dwell on it forever, you know? Yeah. And, and there's two different ways to go about it, you know, and obviously you propelled yourself. Yeah. So it's amazing. I took the whole first year off and I closed my practice after my grandma passed because I was like, I need to figure out who I am again. Like I can't take on clients if I'm not even like, I'm, I'm like unharmonized right now. And so I took the year off. I went to a bunch of different like festivals and I went to music and I danced and I had to just, I let my soul like grieve. Like I gave myself the space to do that. And then I had to reevaluate the purpose and the mission of what I was doing because everything that I had done up until that point was to try to find holistic ways to help my mom. Mm-hmm. And so when that didn't really work. I was like, now what am I supposed to do? And then I realized like, oh, wait, I need it still for me. I still need it for me. And so if I can do that for me now, I can still do that for others. And so I found this like whole new like self-care space in my heart of being like, now like I really can come first. I can now really focus on the things that are within me and what's going on with me. Little did I know I have so many health things that I have put aside that like my family put aside to like pay attention to my brother because he's autistic and so like there was just a lot of that growing up and so now I'm in the states where I'm like okay like I have some time to focus on me Mm -hmm. and like settle and not feel so rushed to be like everywhere for everybody and I can just be your own motivation. Yeah. I think there's a really important message in there when you were talking about that, like chills went all up and down my body. And I think that's so important for people to be able to like take that time. And and oftentimes it doesn't happen until we get a little bit older and we get to like mother ourselves. Right. How old are you? 30. I'm going to be 32. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We're around the same age. I'm 30. And I feel like I just stepped into this, like, Oh shit, I have to take care of myself. (laughs) You know, like it takes a while, but Mm -hmm. then once you do, it's like, it's like life changing when you start to really like take accountability for your own healing and, and take space and time for it too, because it's so easy, especially as women to kind of like put everyone before ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's beautiful that you've stepped into this. And then when you're able to do that, then you're able to like have a business where you can take care of other people if that's exactly. your heart's mission, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, but you have to come first, right? Yeah, always. Because if your cup isn't full, you're just going to keep like dwindling down by trying to feed other people and then you're just going to burn out. And like I'm right now I'm going through so many of my own like physical health stuff that I'm still trying to like run all these hands that I have in these baskets of things to yeah. just to make sure my life continues to keep flowing without being stagnant. But it's also hard. And I, like I give so much credit to moms and people who have kids. Like I have animals, there's kind of kids, but I can leave them at home for four and a half hours by themselves. And like if they eat my sock, it's okay. <laughs> but like I can't leave kids home. And like it's that's a lot, that's an extra level. And I think to myself and my partner, like, oh my God, can we handle kids? Like should we have kids? Like, is that something for us? Yeah. Like, you know, like where I'm very like, like I have ADHD and I have like a lot of energy where I'm always like, I don't know if I can like focus. Am I going to be able to focus on a kid? And like, can I even take care of myself? I feel like you have a motherly yeah. side you, though. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Like, do you mind if I ask a little bit, you know, you mentioned, um, your motivation to help your mother. Yeah. Like, is that what prompted your journey or did it start before that? So that's a great question. So when I was, I had a really, really tough childhood. Like my mom has addiction issues and mental health stuff. And so she would like take me out of the house when I was young and like go to a party house. And like, I'd like sit with the other like kids in the room and just like play with dolls. But like I had school the next day and I wasn't getting home till 4am. 
And so like that was like a lot of my life up until I was probably like 11 when my parents divorced. And then it was just also a lot of violence. And I always questioned things. I grew up in a super Catholic household. Like I went to Sunday school. I did my catechisms with my grandma, like super religious. But I was noticing that my mom only ever read the Bible when she would like come home from a week and a half of binging alcohol and like try to repent for the things that she did. And I'm like, but we don't even go to church all the time. So like I was just questioning a lot of things. And then in my teenage years, I like really struggled and I tried to commit suicide when I was 16. And that was really tough for me and for my dad. And so I was in an institute for like a couple of months. And then after that, I kind of, which was the craziest part in the institute, one of the counselors was my mom's running buddy from when they were younger, when I was a kid. And so she had cleaned herself up and my mom was like always out of jail and out of rehabs and stuff. And so there wasn't that consistency. So like I kind of always was my mother figure. Mm-hmm. I was my brother's mother figure. And my grandma was a really big asset to that too. Like she would come and take us on the weekends if like she knew things were hard. But once I like kind of stepped into who I was and not who my mom was, mm-hmm. that's when I kind of made that correlation. But it wasn't until plant medicine when I was like 19, 18 that that really like clicked. How, and, did, you, how yeah. did you find plant medicine? So I was dating this guy who was a, a musician, and I guess just his connections, like, he was like, hey, do you want to, like, go try DMT? And I was like, what is that? And so, like, I had already smoked. Like, I was a cannabis smoker already since I was about 15. And so I trusted him. Like, this is my partner. I was like, okay. And so we smoked some DMT, and I saw the most wild, like, your entire spirit, like, leaves through your body and like you just kind of like float back right and like I had these crazy visuals almost like feminine divine feminine and divine masculine snakes like twirling together and I think that was also the moment where I was like ah kundalini but I didn't know it yet but that was the first moment for me at least Mm -hmm. and um so that kind of started the whole thing once that happened I then realized that my biological father's grandmother was a full-blooded Choctaw Indian and so all these weird things just started happening like it's like my ancestors started connecting me to other tribes because then I met um, another musician who was connected to a couple of um, native tribes in Brooklyn and so then we went and got invited to a peyote ceremony in this like beautiful teepee there was like 40 indigenous American uh, people from the tribe and I got to clean the medicine with the women and like they didn't know me but like I was the first woman to walk on the property and they invited me to clean the medicine with them and prep all the corn and all the stuff for the ceremony afterwards. And there was just something so special about that, that I was like, oh, there's something more here. And so the peyote ceremony, I think I connected most to because it, I had this experience where after you like, you eat the buttons and then you drink some tea and when I'm sitting there, I can see the coals in the fire breathing with me. And I'm noticing that it's like the earth's elements I'm breathing with. And so when I'm breathing, the earth is moving up. And when I'm letting go of the breath, the earth goes in. And that was another connection for me to understand who I am outside of my mom's family and realize that those gifts are what can help me help her. And so that was kind of the trajectory into knowing who I am outside of my mom because I feel like a lot of who I was up until that time was just the shadow of my mom Mm -hmm. because she took me everywhere 
I was her little like mini me. She would literally just dress me up for pictures, like get like a $400 outfit from Nordstrom, dress me up for pictures and then just return it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what? That's very materialistic, right? And so all these years later, you know, like we struggled a lot. I struggled a lot after 19 up until now, like even just trying to like navigate my mom's suffering outside of who I was, right? And so trying to emotionally maintain my own space while watching how hard that also is. So I got to a point where I was just like, I can't keep coming back. And like you're overdosing and like I'm trying to get you help and I got her into a detox, got her into rehabs. I even tried to see if she wanted to sit down in a mushroom ceremony with me, but I gave her some RSO. Uh, If you're familiar, it's Rick Simpson oil. So it's really condensed cannabis, which is used for cancer patients Mm -hmm. when they're like in a lot of pain or um, people who might have like Tourette's or certain types of autism where they get tics. Um, It helps to reduce all that. Um, so I was working at a medical cannabis in, uh, medical cannabis dispensary Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts before the pandemic hit. And so I had access to a lot of great medicine out there because Maine and Massachusetts is kind of like California when it comes to the cannabis industry. They're like very, very well kind of grounded out there. Um, so I got really great just information and knowledge about cannabinoids and their terpenes and different types of things. Um, and just plant medicine in general. So I brought that back to my mom and I gave her just like the smallest amount and she got so, so, so paranoid. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, her mental health doesn't suit plant medicine. Mm -hmm. So I almost had to like reshift my whole game into, okay, what will help her then? And she has a hard time like sitting still. She's always in her mind all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I moved into yoga. And so then I started just, I just started learning yoga. I went to yoga philosophy classes. I was working at a vegan cafe and they had a yoga studio down the hall. So I would just go to all their classes because it was like compensated for working at the um, Nectar Cafe place. Um, So that started the yoga stuff. And she would do that with me. She would do breathing exercises and that like helped her, I think, in the moment. Um, But in the long run, I think that at the end of the day, we can lead people to a nice, beautiful healing pond but they're going to drink the water if they want it. You know, like they can splash around in it, but that doesn't mean that they're actually digesting it. And I think that's what happened with my mom. She was kind of so far in her own trauma and like so blinded by that emotional baggage that she couldn't really open up to holistic healing, (laughs) which like sometimes I feel is very preventative in a sense that if we're in a good space in terms of like not, totally wrecking our lives every single day then holistic healing is awesome but sometimes it's really hard when people are like you know 25 years in addiction and they can't even get out of their own way and so that's kind of where my journey is at now I'm trying to like find that space between like how can I be preventative but also help Mm -hmm. those who are really really struggling like a bridge yeah like a bridge like you almost need like yeah because you can't get there from there yeah I totally get that like when someone is that deep in something it's like almost like you're talking to a wall Uh it's like you have to find a different way to get them to a healthier space before they can even understand the vibration of the healing that that we're at you know it's like you have to find some kind of middle ground yoga was a great thought yeah. to be a middle ground yeah. did you ever find anything you're still figuring out like what 
what that route is. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up getting certified in Kundalini Yoga. Okay. Um, I spent maybe 10 years doing different yogas, Bhakti Yoga, Hatha Yoga, Yoga Nidra, different types of yoga, and I lived at you know, different spiritual communities. Like I traveled to a Buddhist retreat center in Northern California and I lived there for a whole season. And then I went to Northern Michigan to another retreat center for like a year and a half. And I just tried to understand different ways of being that correlated, especially through the path of yoga, because there's so many different paths of yoga. Um, But when I went to my first kundalini yoga class, I had such an incredible experience. It was one of the toughest classes I've ever taken. Mm -hmm. But I had such a transformative experience that for me, as an Aries, as a really independent woman, like you got the energy and you just got to do, you got to do, you got to go. You got all this energy and like, how do I utilize that? And kundalini yoga worked the best with my energetic signature. And as... Also, so one of my degrees, I actually have three doctorates. One of my doctorates is in divinity and one is in ministry. And so as a minister, I do like to wear white just because I feel like that is like a divine white light. It's like healing, clear, pure. And so I like that that was also an aspect of kundalini yoga. And I was like, oh, wow, this kind of blends really well. And so it took me a really long time to find a teacher training that I liked because I didn't want to just study under a man and I didn't want to be like sexist either, but I really wanted to like hone in on the feminine aspect of yoga. And so I found this amazing program, um, Yoga Farm of Ithaca. They're in upstate New York, but they're online as well. And I studied with them for two years and I, and I finished this year actually. Um, but through the entire process of learning Kundalini yoga and understanding that like I I like to sing, so chanting also to me was like really big, and that's a big thing with Kundalini Yoga is mantra and like being able to like just like sit there for like 13 minutes and go at Konkar for like just in your breath, you know. And so like being able to do that was powerful for me because I've sat with mantras where I'm like, after I'm done, I'll cry for like a half an hour because I just release some stuff, and like it's hard to conceptualize some of these concepts to people who are so far gone that I think chanting like repetitive mantra and breath work are really beneficial because they release the stuff that we can't mentally do yet. And so when we can release enough where we can start grasping our mind around the concepts, then we can move in to the concept of healing energetically, spiritually. Mantras are so powerful. They're like incredible when you, when you do, I was this summer we had during one of our psychic fairs, the massage therapist who was on an earlier episode, Deb led a, a mantra. Like she has this beautiful, like, I forget what it's called. It's like a piano thing. Piano oh, the, um, not the key, the thing you're using kirtan that yeah. goes like this, I don't know right? What, yes. I know. I always but, forget the name of the. Yeah. And we were, we were chanting and I was holding my daughter and she was kind of like fussy and she just fell asleep, like passed out. Yeah fully passed out and I was like this is so beautiful I started crying it's such a beautiful moment but like mantras are so so powerful so you feel like mantras could be a good bridge because it's like we can all speak words exactly like we can get that hopefully we can all get that out you know most of us and if you can get that out it's there's there's a magic in mantras Mm -hmm. like they've been used for some of them thousands and thousands of years and so we can tap into that it's almost primal yeah and it's like that's that's a that's a great bridge and you're literally using the frequency to move Mm -hmm. the energy through your body 
you know, it's different when we're just talking. We Sometimes we get chills because yeah. certain things strike us and, like, yeah. wake us up. But these mantras have been used since ancient times, to, which is crazy to say ancient because it is original. You know yeah. what I mean? But using these mantras to do the things that we're all looking to do right now. And, you know, there's so many different sacred texts out there and so many different forms of religion and, and things of that nature. But I think we're evolving more into a space of spiritual communion with each other than separating into a my god is better than your god because this is my religion and i'm just seeing that so much here even just like clients that i get they're like you know i've come from a christian household or i come from this household Mm -hmm. and you know not that we're all you know black sheep or rainbow sheep of our family but we are this generation of humans who see the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and i think that's really what is going to trajectory us into a totally new paradigm in a sense of like yeah. our healthcare system, our education systems, just anything in general. And, um, you know, I'm doing a pretty big workshop in New York City at St. Mark's Church on January 27th. Um, it's from 1.30 to 3.30 and there's three other practitioners, but we're doing what's called a DMT breathwork uh, workshop. And so it's pretty much utilizing the breath to release natural DMT. Oh. Um, and so I, um, as a indigenous American descendant, I want to utilize my ancestors gifts. And so I use a Buffalo skin drum that I kind of keep rhythm for people's heartbeat through that process. And then we have an amazing, um, sound healer, um, who has like a gong and like these different, these like huge flutes. And I'm just like, like I'm in the, like doing the drum and I'm getting the shiggles and I'm just like, this is great. And then there's another holistic doctor who is from New York City and she leads like the different types of breathwork stuff. So we're a really great group of people who have come together to help just facilitate a larger group because it's really hard to do five different things when you're doing a workshop without the assistance of other people. Like you want to lead and you want to do this and you want to do that. But sometimes you've got to just be like surrender to the fact that they're, we're a team and we can all come together and lead this together. We don't have to just do it by ourselves. Oh, yeah. Teamwork is the best. So I want to ask, like, I know you have, like, a lot of background. Can you <laughs> give us, like, a synopsis of, like, your different degrees and, like, what your skill sets are? Yeah, sure. So I first started um, studying at the Institute of Technology in 2014. I graduated high school in 2010, and I was going to go for criminal forensic technology because I wanted to still be on the other side of the law to like help in some way. Um, but when I got to traditional college in Potsdam, New York, seven and a half hours away, I was like, what am I doing here? Like traditional college wasn't for me at all. Like I was partying too hard. I was too far from my family. And like six chemistry classes was like overload. And I was like, this isn't it. So I found the Institute of, um, the Institute of Metaphysical Science. And that happened from... Um, I had an out-of-body experience at a festival where I was just laying down in my tent, ready to go to bed. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I saw, like, I became the earth. And I was, like, trying to spin and look at my body, but I just kept going in a ball. And I could see all the other planets and the stars and just, like, black space. And when I opened my eyes, I, like, couldn't feel my body. And, like, at that moment, that's when I was, like, there's got to be something else. So that got me into metaphysics. So I started studying at the Institute of Metaphysics. And um, at first it was just kind of like basic metaphysical science, which is pretty much just a branch of philosophy studying consciousness. 
So then I just got really into it. And like as a kid, I loved crystals. And I don't know why, but when my parents got divorced and I moved schools, I told everybody I was a witch. Like just maybe that was, I don't know if that was like a repelling thing, but like I felt that in my bones. I had like a star in my eye when it like, when I was younger, the different color, the gold became a star. And I was like, if you look in my eye, I'm a witch. <laughs> and so I, like, I was like 12 years old and I'm saying this to like people, like maybe there's like spooky, like just leave me alone, you know? <laughs> and so when I was younger, I really liked the idea of like connecting to the other side. So I started studying the divination and I was doing the divination and ministry uh, together at the same time. So um, I did a lot of hands-on stuff, a lot of stuff online. Um, but really, so from 2014 to about 2020 was it the, my doctorate's degree. for I went through the bachelor's, master's, doctorate through that program. And so I learned kind of several different things. Pretty much all different forms of divination, which I was already practicing beforehand, like tower reading and pendulum. I would say my strongest one is probably the pendulum, only because I am claircognizant. So most of the time, I'm just using it for the other people to see the answer instead of it just coming from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that divination is like the one big thing. But for me, as a doctor of divinity, I try not to like I don't like to promote that in a sense of like psychic. Because I like to promote so- sovereign natures. So, like, for me, everyone has that mm-hmm. divinity within them. So, if somebody comes to me for, like, a divination session, I'm going to explain to them how they can do this within themselves. That way, they don't... I'm not trying to have somebody come back to me every other month. That that seems a little much for me. So, I try to help people understand how they can connect to their own divine nature and listen to their highest purpose. And that's that. That's kind of like the ministry and divinity put together in that. a sense of like the ministry is the sovereign nature part and the divinity is like this. It's like the soul and the spirit coming together in a sense. Um, and so I got ordained through that process. So I am an ordained. I like to say priestess because I don't really like the word reverend. It's kind of very old school. Um, so. So what I does do, that mean? What can you do? So I can do weddings, funerals, yeah. I can do baptisms. So I do do sovereign baptisms. Yeah. Um, and that kind of is um, interesting in the sense of like, I'll go with a client to like a natural body of water, whether it's a river or a lake or like maybe even their pool in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of do like a self-commitment ceremony where they're kind of just recommitting to who they are. And maybe it's different for everybody else. Um, and it's kind of the same thing as a baptism, but we're kind of going down instead of going back. Because you know, there's no reason to fall back. Yeah. You're falling into yourself. So the structure is a little bit different than your typical religious baptism. Um, but that is part of the ministry services that I offer. Sounds amazing. I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, it's a lot Dunk of fun. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because you're really connecting to the earth and you're connecting back to the elements and who we are. We're made of these elements and we've really stepped so far away from that that yeah. we need to return back to that. I love that. That's a big part of why I named my practice Eternal Earth Sanctuary. Because well, this is going to be eternal forever. And, like, we are the sanctuary. And, like, we're on this earth. And so, like, this sanctuary, earth, it's just all, it, but earth is a sanctuary, but we're also the sanctuary. You know, so there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you can pick hi. him up if you want. Hi. He'll let you. He wants attention. That's why he's yelling. It's okay. You want to talk? You could talk. <laughs> he was liking what you were saying. He was like, "Yes." He's like, "Finally, He's like, yes, queen." 
So um, then um, after I was like settled into all that, um, well, during the process, I also got certified as a crystal healing practitioner. Um, but I just kind of did that as extra because I've been doing it for so long and I have this like maybe like engraved thought that people will respect somebody else who has a piece of paper. You know what I mean? So it's like I'd rather get certified and maybe learn something that I didn't already know than show people that uh, that they don't have trust that I haven't done something for 10 years. So I added that on there. Um, so that's a big part of what I do. I love crystals. Like, I like to, like, hunt for crystals. Like, Harriman State Park is amazing because you can sometimes find some really nice clear quartz out there. Love it. And um, so I've been using crystals since I was a kid. I don't even think my mom realized what she was putting on me as jewelry. But, like, it was all over my room. Like, I loved it. And so that was, like, something that just naturally kind of flew into the process. And then this year, um, besides do I did the Kundalini Yoga mm -hmm. after my mom passed. And then um, this year I finished my third doctorate in just PhD in philosophy and metaphysical science with a um, specialization in Native American studies. So I, since I don't live on the um, Choctaw, Oklahoma reservation, and I don't really know people there, I still wanted to learn a little bit about the spirituality of the indigenous Americans from somebody who had been, like my professor had been with a clan um, in the like North Dakota or something when she was studying with the white Buffalo women. So I was like, okay, this feels like something I can still learn a little bit about and feel good about. Um, and so there were a lot of things that I had already actually known, um, just from like being with other tribes from the plant medicine ceremonies. Um, but some of the things that I didn't know. So it was nice to kind of gain that information, um, to learn a little bit more about the practices and how they introduce themselves to each other and things like that. So now I'm kind of like at the point where, and I think it took me a really long time to even put doctor in front of my name. Cause like, I would have never thought that that'd be me. Like growing up as a kid, like I was like a rebel and like I, I ended up fighting a lot, but just because like I grew up in a really violent household and I wasn't healed yet. And so I was doing all the things that I was watching at home. And so if you would have told me at 15 that this would be my life, I'd be like, ha ha, you're watching a movie because that's not real. <laughs> but being here now, I'm like, it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, and like sometimes I wonder if like all the people from high school look at me and like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But at the end of the day, I'm just glad that like I found my path because not everybody does. Mm -hmm. And some people don't wake up until they're like 75 and they're like, I didn't even want to be a firefighter all these years, mm. you know, but they do things that are either ingrained in their family members or they're really persuaded to do things based on their parents. And so right now I'm writing a book. Well, technically three books because I have like a bunch of letters from my grandma to my grandpa and then from my mom when she was in jail for all these years and then a bunch of my journal entries. And so the idea is like really you're bridging the bloodlines together while breaking the generational habits, but also trying to understand in terms of like growth, how we do that. You know, we can say like, oh yeah, like my mom had addiction, but how did I break that cycle? And like giving the letters and the, and the things and just kind of commenting on those. So that's kind of like a big project I'm doing right now. And it's been taking a lot of my like emotional space. Um, but it's empowering because it's like I'm able to like revisit things that I didn't want to revisit to shed more light on what has happened growing up and to like also be proud of myself to be like, oh, my God, like I'm not where I used to be. Like 
you know, when I was 18, I had my own apartment because I was uh, involved with a gang member. And so my mom, I'm used to that because my mom was always like dating motorcycle guys and always out with the gangs and doing the thing. And so that was like my life growing up as a kid. And so when I started getting involved in that, before I found who I was, um, I was facing like seven years in prison for like, no, I absolutely did nothing. But you're just like it was associated. Just, it was just the association. And I'm sitting in jail like, what is going on? Like, this isn't who I am. Yeah. Like, I'm not my mom. But and that was... almost repeated the cycle. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing that triggered that for me was while I was sitting in like the you know, where everybody eats lunch together outside of their cells. I'm sitting there and there's a, there's like a basketball court that connects like every block, A, B, C, D block. So each block goes out separately for basketball or whatever. So there's a different block that goes out and there's this girl who comes up to the window with this like long letter and she like sticks it up on the window and it's like pointing at me. And some girl's like, hey, this girl wants you here. And I'm like, I don't even know who this is. Like, so I'm reading this letter. She's like, read it. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know who you are. And like, I'm reading it. And it's from my boyfriend, like the guy oh, in the gang yeah. who I was just with, saying, like, my girl's crazy, like, we're going to go down to Florida together, like, saying all this stuff. And I'm like, how do you even, did you send her a picture of me? How does she even know what I look like? And I'm thinking, this guy is crazy, like, what? And that was the moment that I realized, like, oh, no, 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 this ain't my life, these ain't my men, these ain't my people, like, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of set everything after that. That's when I, like, I started asking questions. Like, who am I? Why am I here? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. And once you ask those questions, it, like I think like your spirit just unlocks a whole whirlwind of doors. <laughs> Did you have like a lot of time to reflect? Like, were you in jail for long? No, or? I was there for about a month, okay. which is honestly, it is a long time. Yeah, especially when you're like got nothing to do. And there's, like, just a bunch of women talking around, which, you know, the craziest part. And this is how I also knew. <laughs> so as soon as I walk in, like, so I had a girlfriend at the time. We both got arrested. Um, and all the other gang members got arrested, but they were on the other side. So. Like the men's side. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm walking in, and I'm, like, I'm, like, ah, I'm so scared. <laughs> like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're small women. We were both 4'11", like. And we're white. Well, she was Spanish, but I was white. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going to happen right now. And so I walk in, and this woman in the back is like, Linda? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. And as soon as that happened, I was like, in my mind, I was like, there's a 50% chance. I'm either going to be really good in here or I'm going to be really bad. And I was like, and I didn't know if I wanted to say yes. That's my mom. Yeah, Yeah, but I did. And they're like, yo, little Lynn. And I was like, oh, thank God. nice you know yeah that also shows your mom was like probably a pretty nice person yeah you know regardless of all her other baggage Mm -hmm. like that's why you are who you are too you know my mom had a really great heart like all of our relatives like her funeral when I when I did her funeral because I was the speaker at it because that's what I can do and I was like (laughs) guess I'm gonna do this and so it was packed more than my uncles, more than my grandpas, more than my friend when we were 16. It was, I, I was like blown away. And I was like, I didn't even imagine my mom had these many people, but it was her late husband, all his motorcycle club, all our relatives, all the friends she grew up with that she was still friends with and kept in contact with. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. But yeah. I think a lot of addicts are really good Good people, people yeah. And they've gone through...
Hey, I'm just interrupting this episode to say that if you are enjoying the content, if you don't mind just taking the extra couple of seconds to subscribe or follow this podcast, to like it, or to share it with anyone you feel would enjoy it as well, that really helps the channel out. So please take that extra second to do so, and we really appreciate all of your support. Back to the episode. From my experience, um, just horrendous, horrendous things in their childhood and their lives. And so they're trying to self-medicate, you know, I think 99% of the time, probably, if not 100%. Um, But it really has no correlation to their character. No, not at all. I definitely will say that, like, when my mom was out of her addiction... She was funny, she sang, she danced, she was an amazing cook. She got stuff done, and she knew how to go through the loopholes if you needed to get something done. Yeah. And I love that about my mom. Like I could always count on my mom to answer the phone and help me. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I couldn't really count on her to be there. Like She didn't show up for my prom because she was getting high. But at the end of the day, like I can't fault her for that now because... Even now, with her past, I have such a better relationship with her than I did before because we can actually communicate without her trauma getting in the way. Yeah. And she She's under- in the light now. She understands more of, like, where I've been coming from all these years. And not that I've been coming at her, but I've been trying to come to her, you know? And so it's really magical now to kind of sit and talk with her sometimes because, like, I knew that she's been through a lot, but sitting through some of the letters even... And realizing that there's stories that have been told to me that are not the true stories Mm. are also, like, mind-blowing to me. And I'm just, like, my mom was painted by other people as this, like, horrendous person. And everybody just, like, blew her away because she was having issues. And, I mean, in the 90s, you didn't have as many institutes and ways of thinking that we do now. Mm -hmm. You know, you're instantly institutionalized if something like this is wrong. If you got bipolar or depression or anything like this. And so I think for me, like, a big part of what I'm doing is mental health geared. Because not even just my mental health, my brother's autistic. And I just have come from a family that has struggled with mental health. That that's a big part, I think, of who we are as humans. And I don't want this to come off as a conspiracy theorist, but I think it has a lot to do with the food that we've been given to eat and just the oxygen in the air. Unfortunately, there's so many emissions from all the cars and the oil and stuff like that, that a lot of what we lose vitamins and nutrition wise ends up being mental health diseases Mm -hmm. because we don't have a full chemical makeup that we need. And that can turn into genetics in terms of like, you know, you have these things and then you reproduce and those are the same genes. So, of course, those kids are going to take on that ancestral baggage and reproduce that. So, for me, I'm really at this stage of, like, really finding a core sovereign nature to not repeat those processes. Like, I've already kind of, like, worked away from the OCD aspect of what my mom and my grandma had. Like, they were super OCD. But, like, I'm not really like that. But there are still aspects of, like, um, like anxiety, depression the ADHD, the potential autism. Like, I've never been tested for autism, but I, like, definitely feel different than some people sometimes. And do I want to go, like, super out there and be like, I'm a star seed from Lumeria? Sometimes I think that. But at the end of the day, also, is that me, like, just trying to connect closer to who I am and just get an understanding of why I am so different? 
And like, instead of alienating myself, just trying to find deeper into who I am. And where you belong. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at now um, in terms of just like understanding who I am on an even more quantum level so that I can help more and more people and refine my, my clientele and audience more because as a wellness business, I do have access to such a wide range of states if I really wanted to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But being here, I just feel like there's just such a, like a fundamental mission that I've had being in New Jersey and like the New York area that I don't feel inclined to like leave. Yeah. So like that to me, I'm keeping that and like I'm just kind of running with it and letting it flow. Um, and it's been great being back the last couple of years. It's definitely like a big journey to like own a home and have animals and tenants and all these different things and like make sure all the bills are paid on time. Like I couldn't even keep an apartment when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. Like now just being like I'm two years in. I've had no issues, like, I'm able to, like, maintain, like, everything in my life, and, like, yeah, we all have bad days, but we're in a really hard time in society right now, Mm -hmm. so if you don't have a bad day, you're dissociating 100%, (laughs) because, like, it's a hard life we're all living through right now, we're all trying to make ends meet, we're all trying to, like, survive for our families, like, and, you know, then Obama comes out with this crazy movie, did you guys see it yet? Oh, my gosh, it's, like, pretty much what's gonna happen if we have a cyber attack, Mm. and... So I got roommates at my house that want to, like, doomsday prep. And, like, so, like, I I got so many clients that come to me with so many different different things that, you know, as a philosopher, I'm always like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so is this Obama movie the one with Julia Roberts? Yes. Okay, I didn't know yep. that he was behind it. So but yeah, I feel like it, yeah. Netflix wow. seems to, uh, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I feel like every time I something big happens. I haven't seen it, but I saw it. And now that I think of it, I've seen it, like, on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. always a trend on Netflix, though, right before yeah. something happens. Because I do remember right before COVID, them, like, really promoting contagion and yeah. all of the Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And nobody talks about that yeah. kind of stuff, but I, I feel like, yeah, Netflix knows more than we know. Hey. Yeah, hey. for sure. I mean, you know, you have people who have such classified information so much higher up than, than people who are in the small business world when we're in a community space and, you know, we're more about, like, human-to-human connection than we are about corporate, you know, greed. And so at the end of the day, I think that those people just have – not that they're doing anything different. They have a different agenda. And so, like, the, uh, I could go on and on and on about all this stuff. Um, but it is good, I think, to keep our minds open because, you know, we didn't know COVID was going to come, but it did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so not saying that every conspiracy that the world throws out there is going to happen, but there's a chance that some of them may happen. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people who got persuaded by my brother to join TikTok and so TikTok is like this wild news stream that is uncensored mm-hmm. and everybody's got an opinion. So you've got so many different perspectives and points of views to take into consideration that it can be overwhelming, but it's also very eye opening because it can give you good information. But at the same time with AI now, you never really know what's accurate unless you're there in person seeing it. And that's always been my thing as like a metaphysician and a philosopher so even though I do believe in, you know, with the great spirit and the cosmos and the universe that, you know, evidence is key, even if it's your own spiritual evidence, you know what I mean? But you have to like experience that yourself in order to be like, that's truth or not truth. Because I've seen so much stuff on the internet where you're like, there's no way some like thing flew out, got that person in front of a bus and then like, how'd that happen? 
Like, I, I don't know if that's true unless I'm on that bus and I saw it happen, you know, but I can speculate in my mind that, oh, maybe there's, you know, like people like the Flash are real, you know, but you never really know until you're there. <laughs> true. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because yeah. it's a, just a world of our minds create what our perception is. And so if we're perceiving something in a certain way, that's how we're going to view our world. But if we perceive it in a different way, we're going to perceive it, obviously, in another way. And so, like, we could be looking at the same thing, but perceiving it totally different. I think that's so fascinating. Like, just, like, day-to-day, like, looking at people's lives and being, like, we could, like, like, as simple as this, it could be, like, like, I might see your hair as green and she might see it as blue. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there's little things like that. Or, like, what if, like, we look at the sky and my blue different than your blue yeah. like it's the same thing yeah but it's just like we perceive it differently like what if what if to me blue looks like red exactly but we don't know it because we just call it blue exactly. and we know that that thing that looks like blue to me is red to you like yeah yeah and they've done studies where if you don't have a word for that color you don't see it wow there was crazy. a i don't remember which tribe but it was a native american tribe and they had a particular type of blue that they had a name for, and I'll have to research it again. I'm, I'm definitely not doing this justice, but they other people could not see that color the way that they the way that they did. And so there is also a correlation between our perception awareness and, and yeah, and the awareness, the language yeah. that we put on it, the kind of labels yeah. Yeah. that we put on it that also shifts your perspective. That also yeah. reminds me of the idea of like though, like if you're not like looking for something, you're not gonna see it. Like yeah. the idea of like synchronicity, right? Like so if you're not like if you don't know what angel numbers are, yeah. You're gonna drive right by a car that says two 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 and you're not gonna pay attention. Yeah. But like those of us that like know about angel numbers, we're like, oh shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> partnership. Like yeah. you know, like, get excited. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like but it's it's sometimes it's all about just like what you're paying attention to. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I don't know. There's so many different ways to like talk about that and look at that whole thing. Cause we could all be experiencing like completely different worlds and we're on the same planet. Maybe we're even living in the same town. Yeah. It depends on what we're looking at or paying attention to. It's really trippy. You know, I was and our own experiences too. Yeah. Our, our, our mindsets go into it. it. Our, our, yeah. our childhood upbringings go into it. You know, even what we do for work can go into it because totally. we spend so much of our lives doing what we work. And so that's a big part that takes up in our brain. I was When I was living at Song of the Morning in Michigan, um, we had usually Mondays and Tuesdays off, right? So we'd like still be around the property doing stuff, but we wouldn't really have any guests. Now, we had somebody pull up on the property that day. And he was schizophrenic. So he was having an episode, said that he was having like birds flying after him and all this stuff. And if you really look on a metaphysical level of what that is, he's actually just seeing another dimension. And the problem, though, is that he doesn't know how to discern between the physical dimension and, like, the other dimensions that he's experiencing. And so this is a big thing why I think mental mental health is important in holistic healing. Because if you really know what your mental health is, whether it's genetic or current, because, like, I think that we can not always be depressed or not always be anxious. Mm-hmm. Those things come and go. It's like emotions yeah. that flow through our system, right? And so being able to take that and be like, okay, so I am my, I'm, part of me is my mind, part of me is my body, and then like let me view that from my soul, right? And so like we're able to like take a backseat perspective of who we are energetically all together. Because like in Kundalini Yoga, you have 10 bodies, but the really most important ones, I mean, 
there's higher ones like your arc lines and your org field and stuff like that but your your physical body is really what like connects us to all of those bodies in terms of being able to have that awareness to experience it because once the physical body's done we're higher we're, we're going into a different dimension that's outside of the third the 3d 4d realm right so we're just like these like mass little suits walking around and majority of us only see that but there's so much more inside of somebody that creates who they are and so like we walk around you know on our day-to-day lives a lot of people judging other people or you know just like not even like you can go on a bus and everyone's on their cell phone Mm -hmm. i remember i'd ride a bus when i was a kid and everybody's talking to each other Mm-hmm. And we've just not that technology is bad because I have technology tools that I use in my sessions, but technology has separated us so far from who we are as a species that we have to kind of like come back to our roots and be able to like ground in the practicality of who we are and what we are doing here, you know? And so, like, I love to earth, earthing. I love putting my, like, I will, if you saw me most of the times here in their psychic fairs, I wasn't even wearing shoes. Uh, I love just being on the natural elements and having my feet connect because that's how we literally recharge our batteries. And I think, you know, we're the only species, if you look at all the other animals that have actually created homes and cars to isolate ourselves from the natural world. And so... You know, some people, like, I have friends who walk outside, can't even take their shoes off because their feet will just, like, be so bad from walking on the natural concrete or something. Like, it's painful for Yeah, them. exactly. Like, they're like, oh, my God, ow, ow. And I'm just like, you got to, like, let, like, your your feet, if you know reflexology, have all your little organs at the bottom. Yeah. And so your body's telling you that you need this right now. But I always say, like, don't push yourself too far. If you're really, really uncomfortable, just listen to your body. Like, especially in, like, a yoga practice is that's a big part for me is like even if i'm telling you to do something and you're like really struggling just chill like you don't you're not forced to do it you have to listen to yourself because that's the most important person i can't hear you maybe you know i'm seeing some things but i can't i can't 100 percent know you you can though Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're like tuning in and that's why i like have really moved into yoga um and outside of more of like the philosophy aspects because I spent like a year and a half at the first opening of my business just pretty much doing like sacred readings. So every Sunday I'd go on a live for like an hour and a half and I'd read different books like um, Krishnamurti's books and Tarthan Tuchel's books and just different books on like, you know, gentle kindness and the one of the mind and the light of one, oneself and um, Be Here Now, um, Conversations book. with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Mm-hmm. So different books that have really, you know, pivoted my perception and I want to share that with others. And that takes a lot of energy to conceptualize really dense topics and continuously like reiterate that to other people who have no idea what you're talking about. So for me, I realized that that's great for me to have in terms of like when I have private clients, but I ended up not doing that because it was a lot of energy for me to give off without receiving the same back. And I just felt like I was draining myself a lot doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of the context of the depth of information I was giving out. And then when I kind of moved into yoga, I realized that there's the balance of being able to give the philosophy, but also being a part of the practice. Yeah. And that's what 
for me, yoga has been so beneficial to is not only does it connect you to your breath, it connects you to your mind, it connects you to the body, and it connects you to your spirit. And it allows you to really sit with each and every single part of yourself. And sometimes it's hard to face, you know, Kundalini classes, especially I got to make sure that there's tissues there because there will be people who are crying, who got boogies running down their noses, you know, and you got to like support those people because I have been there. (laughs) And so like, I know that I like to support when I was in those spaces. So Mm -hmm. I think that as an overall practitioner now, I'm just seeing that for me, Kundalini yoga is kind of like taking precedent above a lot of the other things that I do. Um, Not saying that like, I'm not going to keep doing those things, but I'm putting more of a focus on curating at least a class like for example the workshop that I did here a couple weeks ago the crystalline cleansing that's very like good to relax and good to cleanse um but sometimes we don't really step into our body enough to experience Mm -hmm. that unless you have a practice to do that right and so for me I'm kind of like moving into like the 90 hour workshops where you start with some like kundalini Mm -hmm. spinal stretches and you're doing some breath work that way you can really settle into the body and engage in meditation Mm -hmm. because sometimes you get to a class you just spent an hour in the car you're like kind of cold you're probably hungry you might have drank all your water and so at the end of the session you're like all right now i gotta eat you didn't even focus at all mm-hmm. on the class. On the, you just laid down for for an hour and you're like, all right, now it's time to eat, right? Whereas, you know, you prep two hours before class because you know you're going to do kundalini yoga. You're coming in, coming in fasted, full of energy, ready to go. And then you have that space and then pump up the body. Get it like, like a lot of f- breath of fire, a lot of movement in terms of like getting the spinal fluid. Like, you know, we have that like Christ oil at the top of our crown. So when we're like doing certain meditations or breathing exercises we can let it release down through the spinal channel and kind of really like tune into who we are as like a creature of humanness and so that's what kind of where i'm forming my workshops in 2024 Mm, i love that yoga i've been talking a lot with jenna about how like i 2023 for me like i started out the year being like i'm gonna like be the strongest I can be like just on like a physical level but it's like helped me so much like on all the levels like and and it's just been like not even necessarily like I'm like pumping iron all the time but I'm like or I'm like running or whatever it's like I'm just like being in my body as much as possible and it gets you like out of your head and just like there's just something about like getting into the physical in order to be the best version of your spiritual self that you can be because if you're neglecting, like, I think a lot of people neglect their physical body and they're so worried about, like, the upper chakras mm-hmm. and, like, attaining enlightenment and all that good stuff. But you, it's not – you can't have both, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like – I mean, you, you need both is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, you yeah. you have to kind of be in your physical body and enjoy the physical experience too. Yeah. You know? And that's why yoga is so beneficial. It kind of has that holistic aspect where you have the body, mind, and soul you know, components of yoga where you can, you know, be physically active, Mm -hmm. but you can also sit in stillness. Yeah. And that's important, I think, you know, and I think yoga will come more into the healthcare field in terms of like hospitals and maybe private clinics and stuff like that um, because of how beneficial it is. And so I'm grateful, you know, kundalini yoga is really hard to teach. So I always need an assistant because I can't really do the exercises while teaching because mm-hmm. um, I will go f- so um, that's where it comes into like 
always making sure that, you know, it's hard to run a business because you're, you're like the marketer, you're the person who does all the finances, you know, you're the one that has to like make all the content and do all this stuff. And so like doing all that and then grabbing another assistant to have to explain it all the time. But luckily this last year I've had two really great people who have been helping me. Um, and it's been really nice to have them like come on board and just like be able to also enjoy the experience of a session because like they're getting the guidance from me because they're displaying the poses and doing these things. And um, so it's nice to be able to support my friends while also supporting my business. And so we're kind of like helping each other do that. And I think that's all we're doing. Everybody right now is like finding where we are strong and then doing that and then supporting other people in that power. And, yeah building that community so are all of your services available online as well as in person yeah so most of my services are available online um the only things would be like the sovereign baptisms where would be in person those kind of can't really be um done over the phone um i do prefer to do the crystalline cleansing sessions um in person which are like my quantum healing sessions but those can be done online as long as the other person is super super dedicated um i yeah exactly i'm one of those people who's like i know that this can work but i don't want to waste my time or your time if you don't believe if you're skeptical yeah don't bother exactly i'm not going to take your money (laughs) that's not cool like ethically wise yeah and i learned a lot about ethics you know just as a doctor of ministry in terms of like confidentiality and Things like that. And Ethics so, like, are huge for me. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, in this world and spirituality aren't so big on ethics. It's my number one. Yeah. And it should be because when we're moving out of a different paradigm, you know, like Christianity being our, like, leading thing in this country, when we're moving out of that and moving into a different space, we still need something to navigate by. Yeah. And if we have some type of understanding of, like, a core ethics core morals of you know still doing no harm to each other having boundaries like using listening ears yeah exactly like you know not just like putting your hand on someone's shoulder like we don't do that no you know what i mean like i have a friend who i don't remember we were going to a show or something and he said something to someone and i was like no no that is not okay these days (laughs) yeah we gotta like let's just retract he's like 35 so he's a little bit older but um you know he's very open-minded and but sometimes we're friends with, or we know people who are in a different generation mm-hmm. that don't have as much exposure to the change like we might have. So we have to kind of like be that bridge, mm-hmm. right? Of like, okay, just so you know, 2024, we don't do that anymore. That yeah. has been canceled, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so just kind of like being the voices for the spiritual movement in a sense of like, there are still ethics here. We do still navigate on a, a, a base of understanding that we are our own individual beings. We all deserve respect and understanding. Mm-hmm. And we're all unique in our own way. And we all deserve the same rights. And, um, you know, a big part of that is also playing in terms of gender roles these days. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have a lot of great friends who are transgender. And for me, I identify as two-spirit, which is a Native American term for pretty much like me as a woman, I play a lot of masculine roles in my life. And so internally, I don't feel like I have one gender. I feel like my soul is non-genderless. And, but I understand like, I got a female body. I'm going to rock that. Like I, I'm not going to deny that. Do you, um, do you, what pronouns do you go by? Um, I really just go by she, her. Um, I'm also okay with they, them. Okay. Um, I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. I, I identify with what you're saying majorly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it, for me, gender's kind of like that touchy subject to speak on, but for me, and I'm going to try to put this in a 
as big a broad a topic as I can. Um, are you guys familiar with like the twin flame concept? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I first learned that, there's the whole like someone else's soul completes yours, right? I spent like five years doing a lot of research and I sat with St. Germain and I did a lot of violet flame meditations and I tried to really understand the concept of this. And so for me, I think that's really correlated to who we are inside as a gender because inside we're our own twin flame. That's how I feel. We are, we have a masculine and feminine aspect, same as like your Ida, your Pingala, the Sushumna. We have masculine and feminine qualities within us. And you can be a female and have masculine qualities. You can be a man and have feminine qualities. So for me, I don't feel, and everybody's like, obviously do what you feel comfortable with your body, but I don't feel the need to change my like sexual identity as a female born body to supplement who I feel inside. Like I'm cool rocking a female body because I understand that inside of me is limitless. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't have those same label and constraints because I understand that I am my own flame. I am my own twin flame. And I've been able to put my feminine and masculines together to understand that. And so when I learned a little bit about the Native American stuff and I was learning about their gender roles and I came into the two-spirit thing and I was like, that makes sense for me because I don't necessarily identify as transgender, but I do identify as, you know, gender fluid in a sense that like I take on a lot of masculine roles. I am the main breadwinner in my home. I do a lot of, I have my own business, you know, so those are a lot of masculine things, a lot of masculine energy. Um, So for me, it's like, I think that gender is a spectrum. It's not just like a one or other. And I think the twin flame concept kind of sparked a lot of that a couple of Duality years ago. and feeling like separate. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's kind of like a big, a big like thing I've been just kind of like observing over the last years. Like there's a thing on Netflix. Yeah, I watched it. It was yeah. crazy. Crazy. I love stuff. Oh, my, so I watched scary, The Garden too. I've been watching I like, I, I love cold stuff. One. You'll yeah. have to send it to me. Yeah. That's good. I think that's on Netflix. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I watched that the Twin Flame one and I was like... It's scary. Oh my gosh. Like It's just crazy to me that there are people out there who are so vulnerable that they will believe anything somebody else says. It's crazier to me that somebody could hurt yes. such vulnerable people. Yes. Like, I get that there's vulnerable people because we've... Like, those... People have probably yes. been through a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or they're just so open and so loving and such beautiful souls. And then there's people out there that will, you know, use that against them. Yeah. And that's what kills me. And, like, I could cry thinking about it because I it just makes me crazy. And they're still like, doing it. it. Yeah, they're still doing it. They haven't even given up. No. He posted a video and he was like, I'm not a cult leader yep. as he, like, does all the cult leader things. But what movie is this? It's called Twin Flame, right, yeah, um, on Netflix? T- t- escaping the Twin Flame Escape, yeah. or Yeah. Escaping the Twin Flame universe. It's yeah. This, this couple um, who... Shyla they, and... So, I forget his name. Shyla. I can't remember his name either. Shyla, Shyla and... So, his boring. name is so unimportant yeah. because he's, such, he's a, such a jerk. Yeah. We can't remember it. I don't remember. I remember her name, though. Yeah. And you can tell she's, I don't know. I feel like, I'm. Mean, she's sure she's complicit in some way, but I do feel like he's abusive. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, there were instances in that movie where he was aggressive. Like, he was he saying, like, to her. he was like, no, you're going to be with that person. Yeah. And it's like, what? And he's, and this comes into the gender thing where he's telling people, oh, no, 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 you're actually supposed to be a man. So the people, like, got sex changes. Yeah. Because 
he, of what they said. And some of them, I mean, I don't know. You don't know if any of them really felt that way yeah, or not. Yeah. Like, cause they're literally telling people like you are like, because what happened was in, it was a Facebook community. My friend was in yeah. it actually, Wow. but she didn't get involved yeah. like that. So this is a true story, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is a true story. And it's, um, how are we on time? A little good. over. A little bit over. That's what time okay. is it? 10.40. Okay, we're fine. I'm fine. I have to go to my daughter's school. But what what it is, I, I thought it was so fascinating, but scary. And I do know my friend was in it, and yeah. that's what scares me. And I don't talk to her anymore, yeah. so I, I want to be like, girl, yeah, what Tell happened? me everything. Like, but I don't know. Um, but I remember she, like, fell off the face of the earth for a while in it. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened is it's a, it was a Facebook group. At the time, Facebook was still kind of, like, the big thing. Yeah at least when it started. And it was a group for lonely people that were mm-hmm. looking for their twin flame. Yeah. They were feeling lonely. They wanted to find love. They're, they're somewhat spiritual. Obviously yeah. all these people probably, and we've all, if we're in the spiritual community, like heard the term twin flame, you know, yeah. um, at this point, I don't even think when someone says it's a twin flame, I'm like, Oh, run. Yeah. You know, 100%. If they feel that way, I'm like 100%. probably toxic. But, um, yeah, it was this group where it was people that were looking for the love of their life, their twin flame. And they were promising that if these people bought these courses, they would teach them how to find their twin flame. And it was like a pyramid scheme where you had to just keep buying and buying and buying. And then they ended up having all these people that also were looking for their twin flames, like work for them essentially for free. And they're all just like hoping to find their, their love, you know, which is like such a beautiful aspiration, Mm -hmm. honestly, like who doesn't want that? But it was horrible and they like completely abused all these people and what happened the reason they people ended up they they changed their gender was because there was mostly women in the group yeah and so they started telling a bunch of the women that they were really men and then the other women had to be with them because after a while people weren't finding their twin flames so they had to like force them to find twin flames so that they would have they were saying that god was coming to them Yes. During a session yes. and giving them all the pairs. God, of who was too. So he to became like Jesus or like a Messiah. Well, too. he like, did because uh. in the part of the movie, he literally had his long hair and he said that he's like, he's like, I am the new Christ. Yeah, like, oh, he did say that. He I did. Like, that. he really was having this Jesus complex. And that's the other that's side of religion that is the craziest thing. That's like Texas, like, Waco. The guy thought said he was the second coming of Jesus. And then he like had sex with all the wives. And then like, you know, horrible things happen. Yeah. You know, don't no. say you're Jesus. No. Like, if anybody don't. says that, turn the other way <laughs> yeah, around, find another town. But there's a lot of little things that we don't always pick up on that are very culty. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how it started out, but it probably that Facebook group, like you said, actually, it started out beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. let's find our twin yeah, flame. Yeah, like, well, just like, being a group of people that are, like, all looking for love is not a bad thing. Yeah. And right. if someone is, like, being actually helpful and they're like, hey, maybe these qualities would suit you well, like, that aspect of it could be okay. Right. But it's the fact that he then was manipulating them yeah. and making money off of them and acting like he had the key to something they were desperately looking yeah. for. Like $20,000 a month programs. Like, these <sighs> people are spending on... He was driving, like, these crazy cars. Got, like, a huge mansion. Like, yeah. it's wild to me that that... But I think now with technology, unfortunately, people in those situations in terms of taking advantage of the more vulnerable people have less more likely to be exposed and i wouldn't even say necessarily nowadays you can't like hide off in some commune somewhere because somebody's gonna have a cell phone which is like Like, the garden so look at the garden it's it was supposed to be just a documentary about sustainability yeah um per the people on the property but netflix came in or another production company came in and didn't tell them that they were actually showing them as a cult um 
and it's all about the rainbow family and everything oh my god i was part of that yeah i've been i've been i've been when you were talking about like your your traveling journey i was like this is her time but i was like i so want to talk to you because (laughs) i did that too you know the Mm -hmm. traveling thing and then i finally settled down here because i got married and had a child and now i'm like you know i'm raising my kid here like that's just what i'm doing but it's like interesting because I feel so called to like be here. Yeah, like, there's a reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I was part of the Rainbow Family. Yeah, yep, that was that was one of my first like awakenings, yeah. and nobody understands it. Yeah, unless you were part of it. But and I don't. My ever... friend ran away with them straight up for like like a while. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people who have kind of fallen off the face of the earth in terms of just following that, mm-hmm. and then um, I also know. So in the garden, I knew a girl who was in the cult, and she was the one who apparently killed a cat and ate it, and that was all, like, vocalized on there. Um, I only knew her by association. I, yeah. It wasn't like I was friends with her. Not that I'm, like, hunting her, cutting her down. You know, I don't know the context of the situation. Yeah, she might have been coerced. Yeah, exactly. exactly. mentally manipulated. Yeah, and so that's all kind of Maybe in the they documentary. Maybe they didn't have food. Like, who's to judge? Like- I guess that the thing was that the cat was eating all their food. Oh, and so it was like a stray cat, like a like a feral cat, mm. and so they like killed it, and then didn't want to like just throw the parts away. So they had to. So eat they it. used the skin as fur, and then they ate the cat. Wow. So I get that's the context of it, which like to me makes me so upset because yeah. I have a cat. Yeah. I could never do that. That's not the context no. makes it like so much worse. So much worse. Like I couldn't even cut a chicken's head off yeah. if I wanted to eat chicken. I would just eat eggs for the rest of my life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I was a vegan for four years because I really wanted to be a voice for the animals and just stop with the production of the food. And now that I'm kind of going into some health issues, now I'm kind of going back to that space. Mm-hmm. Um. But, I mean, we have so much stuff in terms of, like, how many food products are being recalled right now because of how much cancer it's causing and yeah. how much illness it's causing. So I know. I just want to, like, get off the grid, personally. <sighs> I want and, like, a little homestead. and Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's just hard because it's, like, when you find time, you know? 100%. That's the, that's the biggest part. It's the convenience of the grocery store. Yes. Yeah, but... A hundred percent. Especially with a bit as a business owner. Yeah. How do you run a business and a homestead? It's yeah. a lot of work. Even just having well, chickens have chicken. is a lot of work. Yeah. 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 I, I think we're going to get goats, those mini goats. Really? Yeah. I, I would love to have a homestead, but uh, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to go out there every single day. And you had day. a garden last year, too. Yeah, we have a garden. We yeah. have the chickens. You're doing it way more than I am. Yeah. <laughs> this year, I'm trying to do the greenhouse this year, a little greenhouse this year. Um, I don't really know if my neighbors are going to like the chickens, so we'll see. I got a friend. Just don't get a rooster. Usually it's okay okay. if you don't have, like, a loud rooster. Yes. Okay. And you really, well, some people like to have a rooster. I only have females, hens. Oh, okay. you need the rooster. Like, what's the You don't need them. They do protect the flock. Okay. Um, Or if you want to breed chickens, you can get a rooster. But you also can just buy babies. Okay. Um, You could also buy... um, fertilized eggs if you really want the babies gotcha i so see we took one chicken that was from um like a, a group of of chickens that were not sexed so we okay. had a chance of getting a rooster or a hen and you didn't we ended up getting another hen but she is my favorite she's Aww. the only one that i named i said Aww. i'm naming this chicken and she sits on the eggs she sits on all of their eggs all day wow she's such a mom so i have to go in i have to open the box i have to take her out for her to eat because yeah. she'll just sit on them all day and night she will not oh my gosh. leave these eggs she's a cancer once her <laughs> in the spring i don't know what her astrology no. is but 
she is the sweetest thing, and she's what they call a silky. So she's like oh, really fluffy and soft. And they have tiny heads with like tufts. Yes. Yeah. She has like this whole hairdo going on. Oh wow. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, when I get so a house, cute. I'm definitely getting chickens. That's gonna yeah. be the first thing I do once I'm not like in my little apartment. That's the goals. Yeah. And you get it's, eggs, fresh yeah. eggs. Yeah. Exactly. They eat all your scraps, so you yeah. feel like okay, That's I'm not love. wasting food. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice too when you have kids. Like I have two kids, yeah. so they go out. I bring the baby out, and she's. You know, she's like used to being around she loves them. It. That's yeah. A cool thing. Yeah. yeah. And it That's teaches nice. them responsibility too. Do you have a dog? I have a little dog, a Yorkie. Does it go out and interact with the chickens? He tries, you know, to be big and bad yeah, in no. his little ten pound body. <laughs> He's so tiny. <sighs> But you know, it's just entertainment, I think, yeah. for him. But he won't mess with them. That's cute. I have a I have a lab mixed with Australian Kelpie and she's only ten months old now. Um, but she's pretty big and I'm interested to see how she would react with, like, chickens. You brought her to one of the fairs, right? Yeah. She's so cute. Yeah, she's adorable. Should we do, like, the ending part so we don't forget to, like, shout her out? Yeah, so (laughs) you mentioned before that you have a podcast. Yes. Can you just tell us what the name and how people can find you? Sure. So the website for me is eternalearthsanctuary.org, and on there you can kind of find everything. Um, on YouTube, I have free meditations, guided meditations, and the readings that I used to do on live. And then all the way down is the podcast, which is usually streamed on Spotify. It's called The Voice of Gaia. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now there's two seasons up on there, and I'm considering doing the third next year. But we're going to see how well, my hands are full with all the projects I've got going on. But everything can really be found on eternalearthsanctuary.org. Awesome. So yeah. definitely check her out. Yes. And I, actually, I want to check out your meditations because I yes. love your voice. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I only have three up there right now, but I'm I'm going to put some more up this year. I want to go to your thing. In this, you said in the city, right? Yeah. I want to go. Yeah, I have. It's um, so fun. I will send you guys the, well, on my Instagram. So Instagram is really where I'm most active in terms of what like. What is your Instagram? My Instagram is drsinisgalli, my last name. So D-R-S-I-N-I-S-G-A-L-L-I. It's a mouthful. I can't wait to get married. Change that thing. We'll link it all. Yeah. Um, So that's the Instagram. That's where I'm most active. So I I post a lot of stories with the workshops coming up or events I'm doing. So um, I just recently posted the link to the tickets for that. So I'll repost that this week. But I'll also just send it to you so you guys have it. Yeah, we can put um, it in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. So it's going to be really cool. I'm really excited. It's uh, fit 300 people in the space. But we're only trying to sell 100 tickets. Um, but it's in a huge, like, old church that's next to a brewery, and one of my friends who's, like, an amazing videographer is going to come do some footage for us, so. Wow. Yeah, I'm really excited. That's so cool. I know. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good, so if you get the chance to come, I'd say definitely. If I don't have my daughter, I'm going to try. I'm not sure if I have her that weekend. How old is she? Yeah, it's a Saturday. almost four. Probably too young to, too young to chill, probably. Unless it's, like, a very, like, active thing. So it's very like, so the majority, it's going to be a um, two hour workshop and the majority of it is really just breath work. So you're not going to be breathing the whole time, but we're going to be doing do different smell the flower, blow the candle. I taught I her how to that. do that. That's so cute. And, and the kids at her school too, I taught them. I yeah. love that. But yeah, it helps actually. Yeah. It really helps kids like relax if they can yeah. learn how to breathe. I was an after school group leader for a little bit and I did a community service club and so I would do meditation with the kids. That's so fun. And they they loved it. But sometimes they'd be like 
Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> I don't, love that though. Like, <laughs> daycare doesn't really want me to do like full meditations because like some of the parents are like very like religious. Yeah. So they're like, you can't get too spiritual, but you right. can teach them to breathe. I'm yeah. Like, okay, breath work. <laughs> Meditation is not religious. Like, yeah. Everyone should meditate. Yeah. Uh, my, one of my old bosses from like 2011, he's a Muslim, and I told him I meditated. He's like, that's against our religion. They literally like, I'm like, don't pray you like... all the time. Yeah, isn't that the same thing? Like <laughs> when I was in college, we had a. I was lucky. We had like a meditation club room at my school at ESU, and um, there was like a beautiful mural that somebody painted, and like I think I was one of the only kids that used it. <laughs> and I would go in and I'd be meditating. I would sit for like a whole class period and just meditate. And it was, it was cool because a lot of the times when I would go, it would be like, you know, people would, Muslims would come in and pray. So they would yeah. have their little rug mat. I don't yeah. know, I don't know, I want to say an offensive term, but I think it's like a, a rug and they would meditate on it and, or they're, they're praying on it basically. And it's really, it was really cool. Yeah. Like I have my eyes closed, but I could like feel the energy and I was like, that's pretty dope. That like, awesome. and they do it five times a day. Like yeah. that's dedication, dedication. Mm-hmm. Serious and you devotion. have to have like a pretty like. I think you have to have, like, a somewhat private place. Like, it's not yeah. like you could do it in, like, a bathroom. Yeah. You know, you can't... I think I have seen people do it, like, in a city just as, like, a demonstration yeah. of voice. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing it as an actual practice, I think it's got to be in something more. It's cool, the idea of just doing it out in the open wherever yeah. you are. Like, that's cool. Like That's a practice. Yeah. yeah. Like, try to meditate right in the middle of Times Square. Yeah. That's a lot. I think that there was, like, an eye-gazing thing. In I've the... seen something in Times Square. Yeah. When they they know, try to do just, stuff like that. When they look at this, when you like, yeah. Have you ever done eye gazing with somebody else? I don't think I really ever have. I feel like I've tried to with partners, and they like give up. You know, it's intense. Yeah, because you'll start to like see people's past lives or parallel lives, wow. or even like the entities that might be working with them, their ancestors and stuff. Wow. Because you're like, you're they they start to shape shift. Yeah. Like you can do it with yourself in a mirror. You just gotta like look right here. I've done that with myself, and you can. Your your whole face starts yeah. changing because you're looking at both of your eyes when Mirrors you look at that crazy. point, and so it's just the weirdest thing. Like so, like I did it once. So my bathroom before I renovated my home, and the bottom was you, you'd walk in, and here's the shower, small right shower, and it was mirror, 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 mirror. So there was a box of mirrors that just were wow. like infinite. And I'm not, like, a big preacher of, like, keeping mirrors to each other because that's, like, a portal. So I'm always just, like, when I was younger, I didn't really realize that. But when I took over the house, I was like, oh, we got to switch this up because this is weird in here. This energy's weird in here. And I would just, like, always just, like, stare at myself in those mirrors. And it was even more weirder because you could see it, like, through the mirrors. And I'm like... This is too much for me. I need to be grounded. Well, we just want to thank you, Nicole, for coming on. It was like a beautiful blessing to have you here. And I appreciate like all your knowledge and all you, you've done in your own life to make the world a better place. So thank, thank you, you guys for hosting me. Thank yeah. you. See you guys again soon. Yeah.